0: Well, it is a pleasure to be with you this morning, to be able to uh, share God's Word with you. I invite you to turn to John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, and I've entitled this message, The Word for a New Year. John 1, reading verses 1 through 5. Notice how this sounds a lot like Genesis. In the beginning was the Word. Let's pray. Father, would You, by Your Spirit, enlighten us so that we can understand this truth of the Word of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'd like to begin with a a story and I'd like to see if you can guess which Minnesotan spoke these words. And I'll give you one big hint. It's from... Little faults. In my youth, science was more important to me than man or God. I worshipped science. Its advance had surpassed man's wildest dreams. It took many years for me to discover that science, with all its brilliance, lights only a middle chapter of creation. I saw the aircraft I loved destroying the civilization that I expected it. To save. Now now I understand the spiritual truth is more essential to a nation than the mortar in its city's walls. For when the actions of a people are undergirded by spiritual truths, then there is safety. When spiritual truths are rejected, it's only a matter of time before that civilization will collapse. Well these words were spoken by Charles Lindbergh. And what caught my ear was his movement from worshiping science to seeing the absolute need for spiritual truth for a civilization. And we too live in a day that I would say worships science. And I propose to you that science will not provide the stability that you need for this coming year. You need someone outside of this world to provide stability for you. So our theme this morning, the Word who was there in the beginning, can help you through to the end. The Word being Jesus Christ. First of all, in point 1 and verse 1, the Word existed before the beginning. The Scripture tells us that Jesus is uncreated. He is outside of time. He was before time. And I don't know, does that mean anything to you? When you see deterioration in this world all around you, to think that the Word is outside of time. He has always been. It doesn't affect who Jesus is. It tells us in verse 1, "...in the beginning was the Word." was, denotes continuous time of existence. There was not a time when the Word of God did not exist. He is unique. You all had a beginning, but the Word did not have a beginning. Everything you see in this world had a beginning. Your body, your house, your car, your job, your family, your country, everything. But Jesus, the Word, did not have a beginning. So where was the Word? Well, John tells us the Word was with God. That word, with, that preposition speaks about a relationship. He has always been with God. Never a time when he was not with God, except for one time. But we have to wait for that till the end of the message. I can't talk about that yet. So who was He? John says the Word was God. What he's saying here is the Word was in the same nature as God. In fact, think about some of the words that Jesus said. I and the Father are what? One. He who has seen Me has seen the Father. Separate, but of the same nature. And you see, in order to rescue you, He has to be of the same nature as God to be able to provide the sacrifice that God the Father would be satisfied with. And that's why that is so important. God must take His own punishment for the sin of mankind. And then in the end of verse 2, John reviews. He was in the beginning with God. Those that study deeply into Greek say this is very precise language. This is a summation of verse 1. There is no cause of the Word's existence. Simply, He was. He caused everything. There's no bomb, no virus, no election, no rejection that can ever affect the Word of God. Because He was. So whatever this year brings you, it will not affect... The Word. In fact, Hebrews says Jesus Christ the same what? Yesterday, today, and forever. Isn't it wonderful how the Word of God fits together? He existed before the beginning, and when this earthly existence comes to an end, the Word will still be God. It will never change. Now, secondly, in verse three, the word's existence uniquely qualifies him to give you life, because he is and has always been. He is the stability of his creation. Do any of you need stability in your life right now? <laughs> Anybody needs stability. Einstein said that the reason that he could construct the theory of relativity was because there's one thing in the world that is unchangeable and that one thing, the speed of light, is the only constant in this physical, material universe. Light travels at the rate of, children in school, do you remember? 186,000 miles per second. It can go around the earth seven times in how many seconds? One. The speed of light. It's the constant that Einstein was able to use on his theories. What does he say here in verse 3? All things came into being through the Word. When he talks about all things, he's talking about past, present, and future. What we have here is the creative activity of the Word God spoken through Jesus the word all of it summed up in these statements all things came into being through the word the word was the medium through which God spoke all of it into existence but notice how the word was but the world came you see the difference between that the word was it's always been But the world came. It was created. The Word was, you were not. Until the Word spoke man into existence. And that's how dependent you are on the Word. Because He's your Creator. Our Creator. And then in contrast to that, notice what he says in verse 3. Apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. He never became. Every part, not one thing, every individual thing, everything in the world is dependent upon the Word as He spoke it into existence. April 15th will be coming. And when you think about filling out a tax form, and you think about filling out your dependence, think about if Jesus was filling out A 1040. He'd have to check everything. (laughs) Everything is dependent upon Him. We are His dependents because He's the Creator. It was spoken into existence by the Word. And that's why evolution is such a tragic slap in the face of Almighty God. Because He spoke it all, not one thing didn't come into being without His Word. Think about that creation. Day one, He spoke into existence light. And isn't it interesting that when Einstein talks about the one constant, it's the first thing that God ever created? <laughs> light. Day two, the heavens. Day three, earth and the plants and the trees. Day four, the two great lights. Day five, the fish and the birds. And on day six, the beasts of the earth and man in our image, male and female, created He them to be able to continue life because everything is dependent on upon Him. And isn't it interesting when Jesus spoke in John 6 that He says He was the bread of what? Life. And in 1 John, like we read this morning, He is the Word of life because it all comes from Him. So when you think about it, life is not... No coronavirus. We're tempted to think that. The world's tempted to think that. But that's not what life is. Physical life is God's creation. But in order to have full life, you need to know the One who created you. A spiritual life. A relationship with God Almighty. And then notice the effect of that life. Jesus' life was the light of men. That which enables men to recognize the operation of God in the world. That's what he's saying there by Jesus' life is light. Without Jesus, you don't understand the operation of God and see what He's doing. It's, you're, you're living in darkness. It's like being on a dark, dark ocean. During the Second World War, an aircraft carrier was out in the North Atlantic. As it was engaged in the war, its six pilots took off the carrier to scout out some enemy submarines. And while these pilots were gone, the captain of the ship issued an alarm. The button was pushed and every light on the ship was extinguished. Eventually, these pilots started to come back toward the mother ship and realizing that she was down there somewhere, although they couldn't find her, they radioed the ship, "'Give us light, we're coming home.'" The radio operator on the ship radioed back, order blackout, I can't give you light. The radio operator on the ship said again, blackout, I can't give you light. Another pilot picked up his radio and said, just give us some light and we'll make it. And the radio operator said, no light, blackout. The third pilot picked up his radio and he said, Just give us one light and we'll land. And the operator could do no more. And he reached over and he turned the switch and he broke radio contact. And six red-blooded aviators in the prime of manhood went down into the cold North Atlantic and out into eternity. There was no light. There was no light to tell them where the ship was. They couldn't give light because of enemy subs. And they had to try to spare the aircraft carrier. And without light, there's no landing. You're lost. There's no place to go. And think about what a small minority of people celebrated God coming to earth this Christmas. Many people had all kinds of activity, but they didn't celebrate what really happened. That the Word came into the existence that He had created. People today are like fumbling through a dark maze not knowing where you're going. Because Jesus is the light of the world and without Him, there's no understanding of what it's all about and how you can know the Father and be prepared for eternity. Isn't it interesting that Psalm 119, verse 130 says, The entrance of Thy Word gives light. Without Jesus, it's dark. Very dark. So how does the Word relate today? It tells us in verse 5 that the light shines In the darkness. Notice that's a present tense. The light shines in the darkness. And it keeps on shining. Though darkness is present, the Word Jesus shines. Of course, the problem for human beings is that man is proud and man is sinful. And that light exposes sin. The laws of God expose sin. And man doesn't want that. And man rebels against it. And until you confess your sin and repent of that sin, you're lost. And you don't have life. A man by the name of M. Grenard mentions a plant which germinated in the bottom of a mine shaft and it raised itself to the height of 120 feet in order to reach light, though the usual height of the plant is only six inches. Can you imagine that in a mine shaft? A little plant! 120 feet just to get light so it can live. Isn't it nice that Jesus is available no matter how deep and dark the place is that we find ourselves in? And you who are listening, who are cooped up and haven't been able to be out with people, think about that. You may feel lonely, but Jesus is there. (laughs) He's there for you. No matter how far you feel, He's away. What effect did it have on the darkness? Well, the darkness did not comprehend it. It did not grasp it. It did not overcome it. The word can be used to talk about It was not able to grasp with the mind to understand. It also means that the light is not affected by the darkness. (laughs) It won't extinguish it. That's kind of good to know, isn't it? The light shines. No matter how much sin and death runs rampant in our nation, it will not affect the light. It can only fight against it. That's all it can do. And so I expect that this coming year will be a battle between light and darkness. But rest assured that when you have Jesus, the darkness will not overcome you when you have Him. He will help you through to the end. Let me close with this story that Paul Harvey told many, many times. The man to whom I'm going to introduce you was not a Scrooge. He was a kind, decent, mostly good man, generous to his family, upright in his dealings with other men. But he just didn't believe all that incarnation stuff what the churches proclaim at Christmas time. It didn't make sense, and he was too honest to pretend otherwise. He just couldn't swallow that Jesus story about God coming to earth as man. I am truly sorry to distress you, he told his wife, but I'm not going with you to church this Christmas Eve. He said, I feel like a hypocrite, that he'd much rather just stay home, but that he would wait up for them. So he stayed while his family went to the midnight service. Shortly after the family drove away, snow began to fall and he went to the window to watch the flurries getting heavier and heavier and then he went back to his fireside chair and he began to read the newspaper. Minutes later, he was startled by a thudding sound and then another and another and a sort of a thump or a thud and at first he thought someone was throwing snowballs at his living room window. But when he went to the front door to investigate, he found a flock of birds huddled miserably in the snow. They'd been caught in the storm and in a desperate search for shelter had tried to fly through his large landscape window. Well, he couldn't let the poor creatures lie there and freeze, so he remembered the barn where the children stabled their pony. That would provide a warm shelter if he could direct the birds to it. So he quickly put on his coat, his boots, trampled through the deepening snow to the barn. He opened the doors wide and he turned on the light, but the birds did not come in. He figured food would entice them, so he hurried back to the house, fetched the breadcrumbs, sprinkled them on the snow, and he made a trail to the brightly lit, wide-open doorway of the stable. But to his dismay, the birds ignored the breadcrumbs and continued to flap around helplessly in the snow. He tried catching them. He tried to shooing them into the barn by walking around them, waving his arms, but they scattered in every direction except in the warm lighted barn. And Then he realized that they were afraid of him. To them he reasoned, I'm a strange and terrifying creature. If I only could think of some way to let them know that they can trust me, that I'm not trying to hurt them, but I'm trying to help them. But how? Any move he made just would frighten and confuse them. They just would not follow. They would not be led. They would not be shooed because they feared him. And then he thought to himself, If only I could become a bird. And I could mingle with them. And I could speak their language. Then I could tell them not to be afraid. And I could show them the way to the safe, warm barn. I would have to be one of them so that they could see, hear. And then they could understand. And at that moment, the church bells began to ring. And the sound reached his ears above the sound of the wind and he stood listening to the bells pealing the glad tidings of Christmas, and he sank to his knees in the snow and said, Now I understand, he whispered. Now I see why you had to do it. God, who was outside of time and existence, In order to save the creation that was lost in sin, He had to become flesh, like verse 14 says, and come to this earth and become like you so that He could save you from your sin. It was the only way that God could do that. Like I said back in verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with. except for one time. When He went to the cross. Can you imagine what happened? No wonder why it turned dark. No wonder why the earth split. Because the Word was broken from the Father for the first time in all of eternity so that He could save you from your sin. And that's the kind of God you have. And that God will be your stability for this coming year. And He will take you through. Father, I thank You for who You are. And I thank You, Jesus, that You're the Word of God. And You came to rescue us. Thank You for the life that there is in You. In Jesus' name, Amen.